0: welcome to Ipsa Dixit, a podcast on legal scholarship. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, Spears Gilbert Professor of Law at the University of Kentucky College of Law. My guest is Adrian Ho, Director of Digital Scholarship at the University of Kentucky Library. We will discuss the library's alternative textbook grant program, as well as open access teaching materials more generally. So welcome to the show, Adrian. Hey, well, thank you for having me. Uh, That's great to be on your show, Brian. Uh, it's, the pleasure's all mine, Adrian. I'm a huge fan of the, the library, of the program, and the work that you do. On it. Uh, but I wonder if, for listeners who might not be familiar with the University of Kentucky Libraries and with the digital scholarship, open access projects that the libraries have been engaged in for quite some time, if you could give a little bit of background about the sort of library's engagement with open access scholarship, open access teaching materials, and uh, the particular programs that you're running.
1: So, um, the University of Kentucky Libraries. Started um, the support for open access, I think about a decade ago. So I think the first step, I wasn't working here at that time, but my predecessor, uh, her name is Pat Wilson. So uh, she and my supervisor, Marabeth Thompson, they worked together to start uh, an institutional repository. So basically it is a digital repository where uh, people can uh, access and retrieve uh, scholarly content for free um, that's you know it's kind of like the, the conduit to facility open access so um, they started their repository it's called UK knowledge um, I am not sure why they decided on this name but I guess um, we are at the University of Kentucky UK and then we are sharing our knowledge so it is UK knowledge that's my guess of how the name came about so um, they established a UK Knowledge about a decade ago, and we have worked with um, different departments and faculty members to put their research and scholarship in the repository. Um, and uh, for law, um, for your college, uh, Jim Donovan, um, that is the the, uh, the library dean um, at the college. You know, he has done a fantastic job populating. Um, the repository, and there are a lot of tons and tons of interesting materials uh, from the College of Law, thanks to Jim and um, his folks. And um, so, uh, and then um, part of the repository can be used to publish open access journals. So, the library has partnered with um, different departments and colleges to launch open access journals. Um, so, now we have two. Uh, graduate student journals meaning they are journals run by graduate students um, and there are several active journals including the latest one it is uh, from a faculty member um, it was started by a faculty member at the department of mechanical engineering it is called progress and scale modeling so it is very interesting and it is an international collaboration because the faculty member here. Um, he was originally from Japan, so he collaborated with his colleagues in Japan, and also partnered with the library to launch this new open access journal. So it's very exciting, and it's about it was launched about two months ago. Um, so there is a lot of um, plans to further develop the journal, um, and then about open act, I mean open education resources. Um, I think uh, my supervisor and I went to a workshop back in I think it's twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. Around then, uh, we went to a workshop, and then we got kind of introduced to uh, open educational resources. You know why there is a need for open educational resources. Uh, what are the benefits of using uh, OER? So we were very impressed by that, and um, given the fact that. You know, in Kentucky, um, the graduation rate um, is not that high. So, I mean, there is an urgent need to, um, you know, to make sure that uh, the student retention is successful. And so one common reason that students dropped out is that um, they didn't have enough financial support to keep going. So um, by promoting open educational resources, then we are hoping that um, instructors can work with their library to support students so that um, they don't have to make a decision on, you know, whether to spend their money on groceries or on textbooks. Um, Instead, you know, they can just take care of themselves and they can get free uh, textbooks and, um, and hopefully they will save the money and then finish their courses and then graduate. So that's um, you know one very important reason for um, promoting OER, and also um, one benefits uh, one benefit of using OER is that instructors can customize uh, the material, you know, updated or um, you know, or even translated into a different language. So there is a lot of flexibility for instructors uh, in terms of using OER. So um, and. You know, based on my conversations with instructors here at the University of Kentucky, I understand that a lot of instructors do want to customize their teaching materials. So um, OER is really, you know, the best solution to this problem. You know, they can get the materials for free and then they can customize it and then they can reuse it. And uh, hopefully they can or they will re, they kind of they will share it so that other people and benefit from the same teaching materials. And then for the program, yeah, so um, um, because of, you know, all the benefits of open educational resources, um, the library decided to start um, an alternative textbook grant program. We do not use the term open educational resources because it is kind of like a jargon. So we don't want people to kind of like look at the terms, like what does it really mean, you know. And also um, the program um, in addition to promoting o- open educational resources we also want um, want to highlight you know the materials um, purchased by the library. Um, you may know that you know the library spends millions of dollars every year just to buy or license um, commercial um, commercially available content. you know they are textbooks, monographs, databases, journals, um, so um, sometimes maybe um, some instructors may have forgotten that, oh, actually the library um, has certain things that are useful to their students or for their courses. So by um, hosting the alternative textbook grant program, we want to um, make sure that uh, instructors will you know pay more attention to uh, open educational resources and also um, make a better use of what the library has to offer. That's, uh, you know, and, and I mean, the end result will be a win-win, you know, for the instructor and for the
0: students. Well, so maybe you could talk a little bit about how the alternative textbook grant program actually works. In other words, like sort of what does the program do? What kinds of materials has it supported? And to the extent you know, how have those materials been used in educational contexts?
1: So um, when we first started this program we we just um, encourage instructors to uh, mainly adopt um, open educational resources or sometimes uh, as I said you know the library if the library has some ebooks um, that are useful to uh, the instructor and students, then we encourage the instructors to use those ebooks um we just have to make sure that you know um, the purchase of ebooks even though it is electronic um, but publishers they still sell ebooks by copy meaning that you know if the library only pay for one copy of the ebook then only one person can access that ebook at one time so if a second person or a third person wants to access the same ebook then they will be turned away just because the library has only one copy of the ebook. So, if we or if an instructor wants to adopt an ebook for um, their course, then um, we, I mean, the library will make sure that um, we will upgrade the access to the ebook so that usually we'll upgrade it from one copy to multiple copy or kind of unlimited copy. And that way, um, if Multiple students try to access the ebook at the same time; they won't be turned away. You know, um, students can just access the ebook anytime and as much as possible. So that's you know some kind of behind-the-scenes work the library has to do in order to make sure that um, the the selected ebook will be available to all students at the same time. Um, but Then, getting back to open educational resources. So we encourage we encourage instructors to, you know, uh, explore what open educational resources are out there. Um, I was available to uh, work with instructors to find those open educational resources. And because I don't have the expertise, so I'll find something relevant and then I will uh, share them with the instructor and then the instructor will determine if the material is suitable for their course. Um, so that's the kind of um, how, how it worked, you know, for the first three years. And then after um, the first three years, we realized, I mean, the library realized that um, actually some instructors really wanted to create their own textbooks. Um, you know, they, are, they were not happy with, you know, what's available on the market. And, you know, they wanted to customize their textbooks um, by writing their own textbooks so, um, starting from the fourth year, that is 2019, yeah, 2019, um, we started to offer two categories of uh, grants. One is for adoption of an existing um, open textbook uh, or library ebook. Um, the other category is that, say, if you want to create uh, your own textbook, then um, the library will give you $2,500 and then um, also to provide. Uh, Support for to help you um, kind of finish your textbook. So, um, you, Brian, uh, you actually uh, wrote uh, well. You got a grant and you wrote up your textbook. Um, that is, the, um, I believe, is the the casebook, right? Um, so, that is, um, we we will, you know, we are not going to interfere with um, faculty's academic freedom. You know, we completely understand and respect. Um, you know, faculty's uh, choice of using whatever suitable for their courses. Um, but it's just that if they have any questions about, you know, what content they can use, you know, what is Creative Commons license, if they have any questions like that, then, you know, um, the library will uh, answer their questions and provide assistance as needed. Um, and, um once the textbook is used, I mean, is completed, then um, we will um, kind of, you know, um, ask the instructor to give us some feedback. That is, you know, um, did you teach with um, your textbook, or if you adopt an open, ed, uh, an, an open textbook, then did you teach with it, you know, last semester, and then we try to get some um, data. From the grant recipients, um, that will help us uh, better understand, you know, how they were using um, the open textbooks, and it also help. Uh, it also helps the library to kind of um, figure out the value and the impact of the program. So um, you, because you 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 uh, you were um, a grant recipient. Before, so you have heard from me, you know, every now and then asking about, hey, did you teach with your uh, open textbook in the past semester, you know, things like that. So I've been doing that. Um, so so far, I I don't have the latest number because I'm still waiting for the latest round of feedback from the grant recipients. But um, the latest number that I can give you, it it was, um, I I think I got a number by May. This year so it's about five months old so um, by using uh, you know open textbooks and libraries um, licensed ebooks um, the instructors have saved the students about 1.14 million dollars um, since 2017 because this, the program started in 2016 but then the instructors or the grant recipients didn't start teaching with those Open open materials until twenty seventeen or so. So um, yeah, so starting from twenty seventeen through uh, end of twenty nineteen, um, you know, the use of open open materials and library materials um, has saved students about one point one four million dollars.
0: Wow, and that's that's an amazing number, Adrian. I wonder if you could kind of highlight that or contrast that to the expense of the program itself? In other words, how much did the library have to invest in order to produce that over a million dollars in savings?
1: Very good question. It's kind of like a return rate, right? So I I don't have the number offhand, but I think um, I did calculate that. I think the return rate is about it's close to 20 times. Um, So the library paid, I think, 60 something thousand dollars. So I, I really don't remember the exact numbers, um, but you know, the the return rate is, is very good. I mean, and also um, because once you have used materials, you can keep, keep using it um, or you can update it. So um, it is, as people say, it is a, it is a gift um, that keeps giving. So over time, you know the the estimated savings will only go up just because you know the instructors keep using the materials until they stop. Um, yeah. So and um, based that um, based that uh, based on the based on the data from other institutions, um, it's the same. You know they. Uh, some other institutions have been using open textbooks or promoting open textbooks and um they also keep track of the student savings. So it is the same. there is um there is a, there is a major open, open open textbook um publisher. It is um OpenStax. And recently I think they made a press release and they Mentioned that they have saved um, students millions of dollars altogether because they published um, a series of open textbooks, and those textbooks have been adopted by uh, higher higher education institutions, you know, across the nation. So um, over time, over the years, they have saved students millions of dollars.
0: Well, so I know that I found the UK uh, textbook grant program really inspirational it's one of the things that prompted me to create my own casebooks and kind of turn me into an advocate for open educational resources. But I wonder, Adrian, if you could talk a little bit about some of the other recipients, because I don't know that much about, you know, all of the work that the libraries are doing in this front on this front, especially in other disciplines, and other colleges. I, I wonder if you could talk about sort of other textbooks that you've funded, experiences that other uh, instructors have related to you about their engagement with OER and sort of broader observations about how these materials are being used in practice?
1: Yeah, so um, I think uh, since 2016, we have funded, um, I think, 49. uh, We have given out 49 grants, and those grants um, were given to instructors uh, from, I think, 11 colleges at the University of Kentucky. Uh, A lot of them went to the College of Arts and Sciences just because they are so big and they have so many departments in the college. Um, So some uh, grant recipients um, adopted open textbooks, uh, but then some like you, you know, they created their own um, textbooks. But um, in your case, I know that you created a, a textbook in the format of in the file PDF format. Um, so it's, you know, available from the, from, um, the university's institu- institutional repository that is UK knowledge. Um, and people anywhere around the world can uh, come to download it. And I know it's also, you also um, added it to SSRN. And um, so there are, you know, uh, two different places um, that, you know, instructors and students can find your textbook. And then in other cases... Um, As far as I know, in um, behavioral science, I think it's uh, Department of Behavioral Science. It's uh, in the College of Medicine. Um, uh, An instructor, she received a grant. And uh, instead of creating a traditional kind of PDF file textbook, um, she created a website. Um, She was teaching um, a course at the Honors College here at the University of Kentucky. And um, I think the course was about um, shadowing um, the practitioners in a clinical context. So um, the students might go to a clinic or a hospital and then shadow, um, you know, uh, the, the people working there and, um, so she has created an an interesting website. And um, on the website, you know, she provides um recommendations and guidance about how to do the shadowing. Um, I think she even wrote up a journal article describing um that website. Um I don't really know the usage of the website because I I I have no access to you know the analytics for um for the access to the site. Um, but I know that she has been using it for several years. um, I think last time I talked to her, I haven't talked to her for maybe a year, but last time I got a chance to talk to her, she was thinking about turning or well, she will keep developing the site, but she also wants to create an app um for you know for the course so that students can download the app and then when they are doing the shadowing, they can you know refer to the app and then see what they should do in. When they, when they are shadowing. So that sounds really interesting. Um, it is a very practical use of, um, you know, of the material, of her teaching material. And it's, you know, it it, it fits very well to um, kind of like the technological environment nowadays because, you know, students now, they spend so much time using their phone. Uh, so it makes a lot of sense to ha- have an app, you know, for their phones. Um, and then um, in another case, I think in the Department of Chemistry, uh, an instructor got a grant, and then she developed a textbook. But again, it's not really like uh, in the PDF format. Instead, she used a platform called uh, LibreTexts. Um, so it is uh, not for profit organization based at um, at the University of California Davis, yeah, UC Davis. So a chemistry professor there um he is a very strong advocate for open access and open education resources, so he got grant money and uh he started the platform called uh, Libre Texts. and um because his background is chemistry so uh, at first he focused on chemistry, but you know as time as time passes by and he um just you know expanded the scope of uh, LibreTexts and nowadays it covers all disciplines. So um, the, the the grand recipient from Chemistry here, um, she developed her own textbook using the LibreText platform um, and um, what it means is that students anywhere around the world, um, they can go to LibreTexts and then um, they can go to the page, especially for chemistry. And then if they find, uh, they can find, you know, the page uh, for University of Kentucky and then they will find a textbook developed by um, by the grant recipient here uh, from chemistry, i.e. Allison, yeah, that's her name. Um, Allison Sol. Uh So yeah, so she uh, used LibreText to develop her Textbook, um, and that's you know amazing um, because um, it is a very good platform, Um, you know, for chemistry. uh, Yeah, for chemistry, they um, sometimes use some, you know, they they require the viewing of some kind of three D models. So the platform actually can uh, help instructors. to show, you know, the molecules um, in kind of using a 3D model. So that's pretty amazing. Um, Again, it is a very good use of technology. And, uh, you know, kudos to um, the people at uh, UC Davis for developing um, this LibreText platform. And um, as I said, now it has expanded to cover way more than chemistry. Um, So if anyone is interested, you know, go to LibreText's um, it's libertexts dot org, and um, you will find a lot of interesting uh, teaching and learning materials there.
0: Well, so Adrian, I know you've collected a lot of data about how grant recipients have used their grants and what kind of experiences that they've had. I wonder if you could speak to some of what you've learned while running this program. Well. Um...
1: One thing that is um that I learned is that well uh as I mentioned you know some instructors they actually um want to create their own textbooks um you know it's uh, they i mean now they may be using a combination of different sources or different resources you know uh as a as a textbook but um they actually have. The desire to create own, to, to create their own textbook and also uh, for some courses they just have to update you know the the, the material uh, on an ongoing basis um, to give you an example um here at the University of Kentucky in the College of agriculture um what is the name agriculture food and environment yeah cafe um agriculture food and environment so there is um an instructor and she's teaching about merchandising um and international trade so it's kind of interesting that you know it that department is in the college of agriculture but anyway so she um she has been using a textbook but you know it was outdated and she wasn't happy with it and so eventually she applied for a grant and she got it and she put together her learning materials and, um, and there is an urgent need for that because, um, she teaches international trade and, um, you know, in the past few years, international trade changed a lot because of, you know, the policy and politics. So, um, yeah, so some, some, you know, even though there is a textbook out there, you know, they, it is not always up to date. Um, and, um, so instructors do want to, you know, um, Update their learning materials and have the flexibility to um, do that anytime as needed. Um, another thing is that um, I think uh, there is a need for some kind of user-friendly technology or platform um, because, um, first of all, um, if you want to create a textbook in a PDF format, then maybe it's not too difficult, um, but you know if if your textbook has more than just texts you know if you want to have like illustrations or uh, some kind of figures then um, the instructors do need help um, because they know the content they can um, you know they can present the content uh, in words um, but when it comes to illustration diagrams figures they do need some assistance and unfortunately for the library, we are not able to provide assistance. But um, what I have done is that, say, if the, if the instructor tells me what kind of images she needs, then I'll try to find if there are openly licensed images um, from the Internet. And um, I'll just you know find out what's available. And hopefully there are some openly licensed images that can be used for the open textbook um and um and also at the, um, on campus um i think there used to be an illustrator um in the college of medicine just because you know um uh, medical researchers sometimes they have to do some drawings or illustrations to uh help our readers understand certain concepts so i think i i was talking to an illustrator from the College of Medicine, I believe. And uh, so if, I, if I'm if i not able to find suitable images for an instructor, then I'll refer the instructor to that illustrator um, in the College of Medicine. And hopefully, you know, the illustrator can do something um, to help with the development of the textbook. And also, as I just now, I mentioned a technical platform. Um, you know, depending on the subject, sometimes you may want to... Um, view uh, videos or, um, you know, 3D models. Um, Again, the library is not in a position to provide support um, for the production of videos um, or kind of multimedia material, multimedia content. So in that case, I'll just do the referral because there are other other units on campus. Um, They specialize in, you know, producing videos or multimedia content. And um, so I will put the instructor in touch with those campus units and hopefully they can work out, uh, you know, a solution that will be beneficial to the open textbook.
0: Well, so Adrian, in closing, I wonder if you could talk about the future of this program. I mean, it seems like it's been immensely successful so far. What do you see happening in the near and maybe even more distant future with uh, OER at UK?
1: Wow, that's a, a fantastic question. Um, well, I mean, definitely the library uh, has the intention to keep organizing um, this grant program. Uh, that said, um, you and I know that um, the university and the library uh, are not in a very good uh, financial situation just because after the pandemic um, it is I mean economically it is not a good time. Um, so how the library is going to continue this program depends a lot on um, the financial situation but as far as as far as I can tell the library administration is very eager to keep on organizing, um this program, just because we firmly believe that this program will help um, kind of level the playing field, meaning that um, students, you know, uh, regardless of their um, kind of economic background, um, they can benefit from this program because they can get the first day access to their learning materials and um, they, it helps. Um, so it is a way for the library to support uh, equity. And um, and also to support students' academic success as much as possible. Um, so definitely, the library uh, will find a way to keep on organizing this program. Um, in terms of um, open textbooks or open educational resources, um, I believe um, you know it will stay and it will continue to grow. Um, at this point, um, I think. Uh, I think it is still safe to say that a lot of open textbooks or open educational resources they focus on um, the introductory courses, um, just because those courses usually um, there is a huge enrollment, you know, maybe 500 or 700. So if we can save 500 students, um, you know, 125 dollars each, then you know it generates more impact. Um, but that said, you know, for uh, some junior courses or senior kind of seminar courses, sometimes it's hard to find open textbooks for them. So um, I think at this point, um, there are two kind of developments. One is that, um, you know, uh, instructors and educators want to uh, develop um, more open textbooks, especially for uh, disciplines that uh, haven't been um, kind of touched by this open textbook movement. Um, that's one way, too. And then the other way is that um, for some, you know, junior senior level courses, or even for graduate courses, you know, some instructors might be interested in developing uh, open textbooks so that um, for small uh, for uh, courses with. You know, as a smaller class size, they can. I mean, students can still benefit from the open textbooks, and um, and I know that the federal government has been supportive as well, because um, you might have heard that um, there is the open textbook pilot program. So it started um, two years ago, uh, and it uh, interestingly, it uh, the the Department of Education. Uh, gave a grant of 5 million dollars to Libertexts um based at UC Davis and um so it's fantastic um and then last year i think they i mean the department of education gave two grants um one to a consortium in Wisconsin one in Arizona um and actually now um the department of education is um is inviting application or grant proposal for the third round of this open textbook pilot program. Um, I know that uh, a lot of libraries, a lot of higher education institutions across the country are interested in submitting a proposal. Um, I know that um, in Kentucky uh, we are also interested in that. Um, So, but it's a matter of whether whether we are ready because, um, you know, if we want to submit a statewide kind of Kentucky based proposal, uh, we do need to coordinate ourselves, so um, it's more likely that we will just wait till later before we are ready to submit a proposal. But definitely, we are paying attention to these opportunities, um, and um, some mm-hmm. uh, foundations, they may also provide um, grant opportunities for Uh, educators to apply uh so that they will get uh, funding to develop um open educational resources so i i do see that um you know the share of using the share of um open textbooks will grow over time Uh, but at the same time i think um you know the textbook the commercial textbook market it's so well established so it's it won't go away very you know anytime soon um It's a matter of, you know, there will be the coexistence of commercial textbooks and open textbooks.
0: Well, Adrian, thanks so much for coming on the show and talking about the University of Kentucky Library's important engagement with open educational resources. Uh, I really admire the work that you and the libraries have done on that front and can't say how important I think it is.
1: Wow! Uh, thank you so much, and and I I have to thank you for you know everything you have done to support us because um Brian has been a champion for um open textbooks and uh, recently Brian made a video of himself you know talking about um his ex- experience of open textbooks and that's great. Thank you so very much for doing that for us. And uh, if the library can help you with anything, you know, feel free to let us know and um, I know that we will, our paths will cross again and, uh, and uh, so let's work together to promote uh, better use and more use of open textbooks.
2: Can you give us a song Anna? Oh, well, that was the idea, yes. Oh, god that's fine. Is that tie you're wearing, by the way. A tie? That's Winchester, sir. Winchester, yeah. No. Yes, I got out the before standard there, sir. Did you? Oh, well. <laughs> and you can always tell a gentleman, wherever he may be. And if he's dressed in any sort of garb. are just three institutions, I'm sure you will agree, that absolutely make the pak sab preparatory school, the public school and the varsity. Produce a type of fellow which is a scarcity. Where do they learn the French for spuds, i.e. les pommes de terre? Where do they learn that bacon was a man, not breakfast fare? The Woolsey was a cardinal, as well as underwear. At the preparatory school, the public school, and the varsity. Where do they learn to know which ladies aren't the type to woo? Where do they learn which ones don't do the things they want them to? Where do they learn to spot the girls who look as if they do? At the preparatory school, the public school, and the varsity. You'll find them out in Pune, Piccadilly, and Penang. They're the backbone of the country, I'm sure. And these fine old institutions, of which I nobly sang, bring that backbone of the country to the fore. Uh, the preparatory school, the public school, the uh, produce A producer type of fellow which is a scarcity. Uh, where do they learn to relish music, women and the wine? Where do they learn the way to ask a chorus girl to dine? Where do they learn leg theory and the cult of body line? And the preparatory school, the public school, the vascular... Uh, where do they learn that insects are the sort of thing to fear? And where do they learn to have a bath each day and every year? And in spite of that, to say, I'm feeling simply lousy, dear. The preparatory school, the public school, and the varsity. Our universities and schools fill pages of who's who. And they also put the ale into elite. Now, the playing grounds of Eton won the War of Waterloo. And to Harrow, you must go from Baker Street. The preparatory school, public school, the varsity produce a type of uh, fellow which is a scotter. Where do Homer, also Virgil, inspire our young men's hopes? Where do they study Herrick's verse and also Mr. Pope's? Uh, where do they read the famous works of Dr. Mary Stopes at the preparatory school, public school, and faster? Uh, where do they learn which tailors are still absolutely best? Uh, where do they learn that if a man is quite correctly dressed, he leaves the bottom waistcoat button loose and does up all the rest. And at the preparatory school, the public school, the varsity. Oh, where do they learn just heaps and heaps and also lots and lots? And where do they learn what's done by salves and also all the knots? And where do they get their faces full of most peculiar spots? At the preparatory school, the public school and the varsity. propteria quad, rhododactylos eros, De nil decree nice eye bonum. Armour for Rumquay, Canoe, and Apollinaris, all of which I learned at my extremely alma mater. Oh, goodbye, chas.